Hi, welcome to the Inspired Painter Podcast. My name is Jessica Libor, and I am a Philadelphia-based artist, curator, and art professor, as well as artist coach. In this podcast, I cover topics vital to the success of emerging and established artists, like inspiration, mindset, art business relationships, and artist career strategy. You'll also hear interviews from art world luminaries who share their wisdom. My goal for this podcast is for you to feel encouraged, inspired, and in control of your art career, and to help you become the best artist that you can be. Good morning, Mayrav. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Good. So I am here with Mayrav Zor, and she is an amazing individual. I have been looking at some of her work, and um, I just wanted to uh, speak a little bit about that before we get into it. Um, So you are a performing arts professional and creativity expert with over 16 years experience as a performer, producer, writer, director, and theater educator. And you have written and produced your own show to great acclaim actually in New York City and other places looks like um, called Inconceivable, which documents your journey um, of fertility treatments and also uses humor. And it really looks amazing. I've been taking a look at all your clips and everything. And I'm so excited today to talk about basically using our own potentially painful life experiences to channel that into the most powerful art that you're able to create. And I believe that this really um, transcends whether we're talking about writing theater or any of those disciplines. Um, And it absolutely applies to visual arts as well. So I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So Mayrav, why don't you just tell us a little bit about um, how you got into acting and um, comedy and um, yeah, what is, what, what brought you here? And I see that um, you performed in Israel. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Are you from Israel? Um, I actually grew up in the U S and then I lived in Israel for about 20 years. And then, um, during the pandemic, I came back to the U.S. So yeah, it's, oh, uh, wow. I've been a little bit everywhere. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Very cool. Well, you have strong ties there then. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, I, I mean, you know, acting was always my passion since I was little. Um, I actually didn't think I'd go into it as a career, but I ended up, you know, as I was, um, you know, through school and high school and everything, I, I saw that I really liked it. I studied it, um, in university studies. I really got into kind of the, the more different kind of genres within it. And also, um, you know, the, the producing aspect of how to create, um, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of performance art mm-hmm. and, it really became even more fascinating. Like, I, I think I didn't really think there were so many different, you know, layers and levels of it all. And mm. the more I studied it, the more I really liked it. Um, and then I went to pursue it as a career, uh, but I started first as an actor mm. and um, I had 
you know, started just like any other actor, you know, going as, as a professional actor, you go to an audition or hopefully, first of all, find an agent and then hopefully get an audition and then hopefully pass the audition and then hopefully get the gig and do it all over again. Right. Um, And then I quickly uh, realized that I, I kind of, I, I understood that that was part of the package, but I said, okay, maybe I can create my own work instead of just kind of trying to, you know, follow the, the available slots or whatever. And I did, I, I wrote and produced and acted in a play. Mm-hmm. Um, I gathered uh, a few other colleagues at the time, also kind of starting out actors. And I was like, Hey, you want to do this with me? And they're like, okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's amazing. Where were you at the time? Were you, and in this Israel? was in Israel. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, we created a, uh, you know, this put up this play though. I just, you know, I was thinking about it. I wrote it and I, we worked on it and there it was, and, you know, got all the the bits and pieces together in terms of set and costuming and everything. Um, it was a children's play at the time and, mm-hmm. uh, and we performed it and it went really well. And, and I just said, okay, why don't we think of another one? And we got requests for, how, do you have another one? And we're like, sure. And so I, you know, I, I wrote another one and, and then that's how it started. It was just another wow. play and another play. And then I worked with uh, other actors and, and, you know, more, um, uh, arts professionals in terms of, you know, set design and, and sound and lighting and, um, musicians. And, you know, uh, as the years progressed, I, I had the privilege of meeting and working with, you know, other people in this right. whole kind of realm. Right. And, um, and that's just how everything developed from there. And so I just, you know, created and, and I got to kind of, produce and create and perform in my own stuff, essentially. That is so amazing. So you were able to cast yourself in the roles that you felt were ideal for you then? Um, yes. I mean, I, you know, not quite. I, I would write, you know, whatever it was. I didn't write for myself. I wrote for the purpose of, of the need So if there was a need for, you know, at first it was a, a, you know, a children's play, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to be this and I'll write it for me. I just wrote, you know, a few characters and then kind of, you know, with the other actors were like, okay, let's do this. I'll do that. And, and um, with other productions, it wasn't always like, what is good for me? It was always like, what, what am I able to do? And Mm -hmm. what would I like to do? Because in some Uh, productions like there was this one big musical that I produced it was my first bigger scale production Mm -hmm. and I knew that I was also in the production side so I actually uh did a I mean it's called a smaller role even though it's not a small role but it was it wasn't one of the leads only because I knew that I I was also directing I was also producing and I also had to manage everything else so I I didn't want to kind of take away from the production if I were to do anything Mm -hmm. you know that was bigger than that and Mm -hmm. also in this case uh it was a musical so I wasn't going to be a lead singer I'm not I'm not a singer myself so I was like okay I'm not I know I'm not going (laughs) to be that but I did like you know a comedic role I knew that that was what I like to do I always lean toward comedy and anything that I did I just it was just easier for me it was um, more interesting for me. I love the kind of reciprocity with the audience. So, you know, it's, uh, um, that was my thing. Wow. Very cool. So would you say that you've mostly been involved in theater or have you dabbled in film? Yes. I've, when I first started out, um, you know, I, when I was going to auditions and I did other productions that I was cast in, it was actually mostly screen work, uh, film and TV. Um, and you know, with, 
theater, it was just, okay, it was something that I could do. And, and I saw there was a need to do it. So, I, so I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quickly found that I, I loved it a lot. I mean, you know, film work and, and stage work is different work. Yeah. It's a totally different process, uh, during, uh, it's a different process to get there and it's a different process. Uh, it, it's a different act when you're doing it. It's a different kind mm-hmm. of acting, um, you know, for all the, all the basic reasons. Um, but I, I like both. Um, I just happened to be much more immersed in theater work over the years, mm-hmm. just because, you know, I was just all encompassed with, with this yeah. theater stuff that I was doing. So it became that the majority was theater. That's amazing. So, um, when I was, um, 12, my sister and I, uh, wrote, well, we didn't write it. We, we cut down a Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, nice. Smaller, um, level. And, um, we produced in the backyard barn of my parents' house. Um, we produced a Midsummer Night's Dream and we got like four other neighborhood kids to be a part of it. And like their parents were so excited to like, um, to like get their kids into it. They're like, this is so amazing. So they would like bring their kids to practice. And like, we made all of our costumes, like we made like bottoms head out of a, um, like the donkey head, out yeah. of a, like chicken wire and paper mache. And like wow. everything. it was like very homemade. Everything was so homemade. I mean, we were kids, but, um, but I still remember how fun that was. Like we, we like made the curtains for the stage. Like it was intense. Um, and we were so terrible. Like, <laughs> oh, we were so terrible. My mom has the, um, the whole thing filmed and oh, wow. day, I'm going to have to see that. <laughs> we, we watched it. I could not even watch it. I was like dying laughing. I was like, this is like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen, but, um, but we loved it and it was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, uh, over the years, I, I was also, um, in theater education, I would also teach, uh, theater for kids mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's like what you're saying, but it, but to me, I think it looks magical. Like it's not yeah. bad at all. Cause you see the enthusiasm and you, and right. you can even, you get into that mind yeah. and creativity that what they see yeah. is just great. So it doesn't really matter if you're dealing with, you know, scraps of paper, it's gold, it's, it's, right. it's, gold. Exactly. it's gold, it's gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, d- I do remember, like, I was so excited to play Titania and like, I had these like little wings and, um, uh, I had like the little fairy assistant and it was just so hilarious. Um, yeah, but, but that's, so that's my only experience, like producing a play and yeah. it was so much logistics at 12 years old. I couldn't even imagine doing it on, on like a professional scale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it, it's a lot. This episode is sponsored by the Luminary Artist Academy. The Luminary Artist Academy is a six month self-paced transformational course for contemporary realist feminine artists to blossom into the higher level of professional success from the inside out. The Luminary Artist Academy was written for you. As an artist myself who has been through the dark night of my own soul and through the thickets of my own limiting beliefs, in order to come out on the other side, I feel the struggle and I know where you are. I know the desires that you feel and the frustration at feeling like they are out of reach. And I have discovered the keys to unlocking your own potential 
and totally transforming the reality of your creative practice and your experience as an artist in a very short time after doing it myself. And I wrote the Luminary Artist Academy to share this process with you. So the Luminary Artist Academy is a comprehensive, detailed, step-by-step -step course that takes you on an odyssey through the inner chambers of your heart and soul to your creative practice and out into the world where you shine your confident feminine light as a luminary in your field. This course supports you every single step of the way to guide you into stepping into your highest version of yourself within your artistic career and your life. Don't let another year go by just thinking about it and without taking action. Being in limbo, saying next time or I'll do it later, is the reason why you feel like you're spinning your wheels and staying stuck. By doing the same things in the same way, you'll likely be in the same place you are now, six months from now, if you don't take action. Take the first steps today to believe in a different future for yourself. The gallery shows, press celebrating your work, and sales pouring in from your art is what you know you are meant for and what you ultimately deserve. Your most aligned artistic career is waiting for you. It's time to believe in yourself and value your dreams. I believe in you. Explore the course via the link in the show notes or at www.thevisionaryartistsalon.com. Uh, but again, you know, I, I, I wanted to do it. So I knew I had to do everything else. Um, you know, and, and again, luckily I was able to, um, work with other people at some point, I was able to work with other professionals who were able to, you know, bring in their expertise mm -hmm. and do it better, obviously, because it was their expertise. And also right. it took a load off of me and it was really what was needed to be done. Um, and it just, obviously makes for a better all around production, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm wondering, like, if you, if you wrote your own play and you are, you're, you're directing this, um, like in my mind that like incurs a lot of expenses, like, um, renting out a theater and, you know, hiring the actors, like how, how did that work for you as far as making right. sure financially? Up so, you know, like um, at the beginning, um, first of all, the, the first play that I ever did was intentionally, um, meant to be performed, not at a theater. Um, it was it, it, supposed to be this kind of traveling play. I see. Um, it was intended to be, you know, at schools where we would come in, perform, mm -hmm. leave, go to another school. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in terms of rehearsals, we rehearsed wherever we found a space, Mm -hmm. Um, and we just knew how to adapt that to any other space, which was fine because we knew eventually we'd be performing in different kinds of spaces. Mm -hmm. So we would have to have that flexibility. Um, also within, you know, uh, theater and comedy, my real love is the genre of improv, um, mm -hmm. not just for acting, but also for life. So that whole flexibility and going with the flow, mm -hmm. that was in every single bit all the time. I mean, it had to be. So, um, so I like that. I, you know, I, I adapted in that sense. And, um, so, so we rehearsed wherever we could. And when we, you know, worked on costumes or it was like, you know, in my backyard, I would create the costumes, I'd create the set and it was all, it had to be mobile. It all had to fold up and fit into the trunk of a car. Right. <laughs> and, um, 
So, it, and, and also the budget was non-existent at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So we did what we could, we, you know, called on friends. Hey, do you have this? Can we, where can we get this? And you know, wherever we had to spend the money, we just calculated it into the, into the cost and into, you know, the investment that we had to make in order to, you know, mm-hmm. um, earn back potentially later and, and, and later it goes on, but yeah. So I had a lot of also budgeting and marketing and management, all that, you know, everything you have to deal with everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But, but again, yes, the point was to perform and the point was to do it professionally, meaning to do it at a high level and also, um, to get paid for your work. So that was always the aim. Um, you know, the budgets weren't always huge, uh, but that was, that was the aim. And, you know, there were at, at the beginning, there were lots of times where you had to make a lot of compromises and you had to see how you can make things work. Um, and that's, I think the one thing that makes art stand far apart from any other profession, um, because it, it's so much the passion as the root of the why you're doing whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. So everything else doesn't matter in a way, or you don't think it matters or you're blind to it and you make everything else work and you're willing to make compromises. You would never see, let's say an accountant Mm -hmm. um, being like, okay, well, I'm just starting out, you know, uh, why don't we do this? And why don't we, let's figure it out. No, they do their work or, you know, whatever other kind of, you know, I guess, typical jobs or, you know, government positions, right. They do the work, the nine to five, they get paid a set salary every month, um, or every two weeks or whatever. It's not the same with art. And, um, yeah, yeah, like I'm never going to retire. You know what I mean? Also, and also (laughs) in terms of retiring, I don't want to to set your own retirement plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, that's you're true not, too. Yes. you're not covered by anybody mm-hmm. and you're not taken care of. So being an artist has like both sides of that coin, which mm-hmm. is great. And also can be challenging. It's, right. you know, you have to deal with both. If you want to pursue this as a profession, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, yeah. for the good and for the bad. Um, so what you're talking about, as far as like producing your own shows and like writing and producing your own shows is, um, really it just really reminds me of like curating shows because um in 2016 I was just graduated from my master's degree program and I was exhibiting at different places but there were artists out there that I really admired and I would really want to show with and um and there were also like ideas for exhibitions that I would love to show in but no one was doing them so I decided to start my own thing era contemporary and it really came from this desire to just like have more control over where I was showing and create these magical experiences so it's really grown since then um yeah it's called era contemporary and now um we're we're going to be going to the moon so um legends of the moon is our current show um that I'm accepting exhibit um accepting uh, submissions for and um, the accepted submissions will be put onto a um, a digital um, a digital device and sent to the moon in a time capsule with NASA. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. So, um, and it's also going to be a physical exhibition here in Philadelphia. But um, but it's just grown so much, and I've like realized so many of my dreams by showing with like some amazing artists because I've taken that leap to say. Um, I want to do this. And not only I want to do this, but I feel I'm worthy enough to do this. 
And, um, and you need to do this. Yeah. It's like this need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so if you're an artist out there of any kind and you, you feel that you want to do something, um, and you want to be seen in a certain way in your creative field, then maybe you should create something so that you have so much more creative control over how that goes. And then once you set that all up, once you go forward and stop asking for permission, um, then other people start to give you opportunities because they see what you're capable of. And they didn't see it before because you were just waiting. So um, yeah, that really resonates with me. And then also um, it resonates with me, like just kind of like starting with no budget and just seeing what you can do. Like in the beginning, I did not have like a separate studio space gallery. I had to, um, I did a bunch of pop-up shows at different places, like a department store, an apartment complex, um, a country club, like anywhere that would show the work, I would just like bring the work like in my car. And, um, and so, and it worked great. Um, but eventually it just, it it did become like difficult to not have like a home base to show everything, um, similar to, I imagine like a theater. Um, so, so eventually, um, when things stabilized more, um, yeah, I did get, um, a space that we exhibit in now, but, um, but at the beginning, yeah, there was absolutely no budget at all. And, um, and it was just using what you had, using the context that you have, because most yep. people have more context and more um, opportunities than they imagine. And they just take it for granted because these people are part of their normal life. But in reality, um, you know, you may know somebody who would be happy to offer you their space in some capacity. So, um, so I definitely resonate with that. And I admire your ability to just, um, to go for it. I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know what it's like it, you just have to, you know, if you, it's, it's kind of this thing in you that you have to do. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of indescribable, but that's what it is. And it's, that's the drive. Awesome. Well, um, I would love to talk a little bit more about your new show inconceivable about, Um, your own fertility journey. And um, I, I really admire your ability to kind of transmute that challenging situation into really an award-winning piece of art that you've been written up in all these amazing places and um, have so many amazing reviews for this. It's a one woman show, right? Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. First of all, you you can make like a one woman show, extremely entertaining. (laughs) And um, yeah, I was watching the clips and you're hilarious. Thank you. (laughs) And just, and also very heartfelt and you can like, um, like, I want to go see it. It looks amazing. So 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 tell me about like the inspiration for that and where that came out of. Um, Yeah, sure. So that, that was not something that I just one day said, I'm going to do this. It was actually, you know, everything that I just told you about, like, you know, in terms of my professional work, I was, you know, writing and producing and acting in all these shows. There were a bunch that was going on, you know, they were going on at the same time in parallel. That's what I was doing my day to day, um, professionally, but privately all, 
most of those years, um, my husband and I were going through infertility. Um, and for those listeners who don't know, it's just basically not being able to procreate <laughs> the, the easiest definition. Um, and of course, this is something, especially at that time, uh, I didn't really hear much about it around me. So clearly I was sure that I was the only one in the world, like me and my husband, right? Like no one else was going through this. So definitely I wasn't going to talk about it with anybody. So we didn't talk about it with anybody. Um, and then, you know, um, at, at, we just, you know, went through the years like that, just not talking about all these things. And then this was many years. And then a few years ago, um, we had experienced, um, one of a few miscarriages that we have experienced over the years, we had a miscarriage and this was like, yeah, it was a big one. And for some reason after that, I I felt kind of like ready to talk about it Mm -hmm. or a little bit of it or all of it, but I, I felt kind of more ready, I guess. And my husband was always trying to get me to talk about it with someone. He was like, just do it. It'll just help you. Whatever. I was like, no, 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 I can't. But after that, I, I said, okay, I think I'm ready to talk about it, but I just didn't really know how, and I, I didn't know how to do it. So then I said, okay, how am I going to do this? So I just decided to kind of like, you know, I was thinking of professionally what I do. And I was like, okay, yeah. wait, I could do it in comedy. I could do that. <laughs> And so I just literally um, created a group text with some close friends and I said, Hey, come on over to my house on so-and-so date for cookies and hormones or something. I don't know what I called it. <laughs> and, and they were like, okay. Cause you know, they know what I do and they come to my shows and they know I'm kind of silly. And they're like, they didn't know what they were coming to, but they came to my house and I literally sat them. There were a few and they sat in my living room and I sat in front of them and just told them pretty much everything that I had been going through over the years, but I didn't, I told them through not like a story. I told them through like funny characters and silly songs. And I used these props and like, you know, all these things. And that was my way of kind of getting it out there. And it, you know, I, I got it out and then I literally finished, went to the door, opened the door and waited for them to file out. Like, I was like, okay, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Now, you know, thank you. Bye. You know? And, and they didn't go, they actually stayed and they talked for quite a while. And I was like, what's happening? Like that got me interested because I said, okay, this is like a conversation starter. And I noticed that they were talking about their own kind of personal things that were kind of related. And I was just looking kind of, you know, from the outside thinking we're a group of, you know, women, friends who don't really know all the details that now we're talking about, like what's going on here that we're, you know, we as women aren't really open and, you know, comfortable with these things that apparently many of us have been going through. Yeah. And, um, and I liked that, like, I liked that it was sparking this, you know, opening up and conversation. Mm -hmm. And and of course my friends were immediately like, you have to make a real show out of this. This is, this should be one of your shows. And I, I said, I don't know, like, you know, you're my friends, you are here to watch me, but who would go see a stranger talking about, you know, her reproductive issues and vagina and things like that on stage? A lot of people. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't think that. And I, and that's what I did like for a living. I, I would think, you know, what, what would I like to say and what would an audience like to see? And, mm-hmm. and I never thought, you know, they would want to see that, mm-hmm. but I said, okay, I'll give it a try. Cause I had like a whole group of friends saying it would work. I said, okay, I'll give it a try knowing fully well, it would be a one night only event, but I said, I'll work on it. Just you know, to do it. 
And I worked on it for about a year. I created that one night into an actual full-on solo show, which was also my first ever solo show. Like I've never done a solo show before. Oh, wow. I've always uh, performed with others on stage, at least one other uh, actor at a time. You know, like I, I always had partners, which is a whole different kind of performance. And this time mm-hmm. it was just me. And talking about my own true story and it's very raw and, and sensitive and personal. So it was quite challenging uh, on many levels, but after that first show, I just saw that, you know, the reactions were way over what I had expected. There were so many people that were like, you know, thanking me afterwards that I was telling their story or I was telling, you know, their children's story or their, you know, families or friends that they kind of knew, but didn't really know all the details and other people who had no clue what this is, but they were like finally opening up to the possibility that there are things going on with people that they don't know about and just making people more aware and sensitive of others. And I said, okay, now I have to do this because it's kind of, you know, it's, it's helping people. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, made me do what I'm doing now, which is sort of this like mission to, to get this show seen by as many people as possible, just to get them just, just to know what's happening. That's amazing. And, um, and where, so where is it being performed now? Yeah. So, um, this all started in 2017 and, um, yeah. And I, and I started in Israel, I, I performed it and pretty much any kind of space all over the country there. I did everything from like basements and gardens to the national theater. I, I performed wow, it. Really, that's amazing. Yeah. I performed it, um, in many places. And then, um, I performed it in, uh, New York and off Broadway, um, during this festival. And I performed it in other places in the U S and I had, uh, had talks with doing, uh, this UK tour. I had already a U.S. tour pretty much fully booked. Wow. And that first weekend was the weekend when everything shut down in the pandemic. Oh. Like literally that weekend. Um, yeah. And it it just, everything just shut down all the other dates that were supposed to be finalized, obviously were not. And, and I had to just abruptly stop, um, you know, and it was kind of a stop on so many levels for so many things. Um, I had made a transition to online and virtual performances, Mm -hmm. um, which, gave me the freedom to do a bunch of stuff I couldn't do on stage, but it was also very limiting in other respects, but I did it just because, you know, it was, it was a way to continue with the show. Right. Right. And, and now that things are hopefully looking like they're kind of sort of starting to get back into some sort of normalcy, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, in the summer to get back to, um, in-person performances and yeah. Wow. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So, um, so bringing this back to, the, the creative process and yeah. like, um, being willing to share your heart like that. What was, what were some of the fears that you had, um, before you, uh, went live with this show for like your first one woman show, what were some of those fears that you felt like, um, had, had kept you from talking about something so personal to you for a while? Everything. Um, you know, what would it be understood? Would it be, um, would it be considered rude and hurtful that I'm doing comedy on something that is far from funny? Mm-hmm. Um, would people think I'm like making fun of this thing? Uh, would people believe me? Because, you know, the whole show, it's everything is 
totally true, but it's a lot of things are just really ridiculous, but you know, they're all true. Would people understand it? You know, would anything, everything I, I was just, I, I feared everything. (laughs) I just, you know, I didn't know, would it work? Would I remember Would I, uh, would I make people laugh? Would it be funny? Um, you know, everything. Yeah. Did you fear judgment from other people at all? Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think it's one of the biggest things that kept me from talking about it at first was right. judgment, pity, um, you know, because, you know, a lot of people that experience it get it, but they, but a lot of people that don't experience it and you never know, cause sometimes you, you don't know what another person is going yeah, through, absolutely. but, but you, you know, they, they may immediately judge you or belittle it, or they don't really know what's going on. And so they may be quick to assume things or want to fix with some comment that seems extremely loving, but ends up being very tactless. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of, a lot of things like that. Um, and you know, it, I remember I was speaking about the show at one point and someone was asking me and they're like, you know, we hear about this all the time, IVF and things like, why do you think people don't talk about it? They talk about it. And I said, you know, it's true. Nowadays, people are a bit more aware of those buzzwords mm-hmm. like IVF and, and adoption and things like that. Um, you know, in infertility even, mm-hmm. but they don't really know what it's like on the day to day, on the hour to hour, on the no. all consuming aspect of this thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the mental side of it, the emotional side of it, physical side of it, the financial side of it that yeah, many people yeah. have to deal with. There's so much in this thing all around this thing that is supposed to come naturally to people that we were told was coming naturally to people. Right. And why is it not, you know? And right. So there's a lot of things, like perceived shame. Totally. Yeah. And all these things, and it's all rooted down to, you know, misinformation and miseducation besides the fact that there are a lot of things that are different now, you know, all these environmental aspects and everything that probably influences everything in our lifestyle, but also it's rooted in the miseducation, misinformation. Most of us get what we think we know uh, when we're little, either mm-hmm. from friends, from movies, or from sex ed in school, none mm-hmm. of those are completely accurate and and full of information. Right. And yeah. so that's how we're growing up, knowing what we know. And so when things aren't going the way that you think they are supposed to, or you were told, or you saw that you're supposed to, it's very first. It's like this big slap in the face. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of there's a lot going on with this thing that is um, you know, not talked about. And that's also the root of it because it's not talked about. So we continue this vicious cycle. Absolutely. And you know, what I was thinking as you were speaking about this is I think that some of the shame for women, um, in talking about this might be like a holdover from a really patriarchal society that really valued women based on their fertility. Yes. For for so many thousands of years, a woman's worth was her fertility. And, um, and, you know, other things were not really valued, like, like your personality or your brains, everything, (laughs) you know, your, your ability to write, your ability to um, create, uh, your ability to have so many of the other accomplishments that were valued in men were not looked upon the same way for women. And women were looked on as, um, 
you know, breeding vessels really. And it was the most important thing, like before an arranged marriage, you know, the girl had to be checked out and make sure yep. everything was fine. Yeah. And, and even still, you know, what do they do if, you know, she's, they get married and she can't have a kid. Well, we're just going to have to execute her and go on to the next one. I mean, yes. Um, and the, the historical holdover, I think is, is still not quite there yet. <laughs> oh, know? totally. It's yeah. everything you're saying. It's unbelievable how that has been so ingrained in our societies. And it's not just the society, like modern Western cultures that we live in now. It's also within uh, many religions. It's so ingrained. Mm -hmm. It's what's expected. Mm -hmm. And um, so of course, when things don't work out, you feel, you know, it it could be, you just feel like like you're broken. You're not, you're not a working human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're going to bring shame to whoever it is. And what you were saying, um, you know, that women were supposed to be breeding vessels and they may have been maybe once there's also something called secondary infertility, which I've also experienced, which is, you know, you already have a child and then you can't get pregnant again. And it's, um, and it's very, very, um, you know, frustrating and, and demeaning. And -hmm. I know also, you know, um, now at least, you know, in a modern, uh, Western culture that we live in also, um, men experience this too, because they have the shame that they also don't talk about it because for them, it's, it's their manlyhood. It's the virility. And so when something's not right, it's like, oh, so you're not man enough for this, you know? And it's, it's just so horrible. The amount of shame that's so unnecessary in this whole process, you know, all these emotions that are happening are rooted in, in things that shouldn't be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's amazing the work that you're doing and I really admire your courage to go there. And I think it's, it's really incredible. And for those visual artists who are, uh, who are listening and, um, the way that I can relate this to your practice as like a visual artist would be, you know, what are those things that you've experienced in your life that have had such an impact on you and how can you create art that is a direct reflection of that or reflects that in some way, whether indirectly or a depiction of it? What are those things that you're afraid to go for that are so personal to you? Um, Because truly what is going to set your art apart and also what can also help other people, I believe, is sharing your own experience in a really strong way. And, um, and also that there's like an electricity that happens, I think, when you, when you do something that you really care about, whether that's painting a picture that you really feel passionately about or performing a work that you really feel passionate about, there's an electricity that you can't replicate when you're doing something um, just as a job or just as like right. um, a painting you're hoping somebody will buy, um, when it's right. tied to your soul and your personal experience, there's something that happens. And, um, I think that people sense that people do. Sense oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's what you're saying. You're when you, when you're creating art, first of all, you're creating for the sake of getting it out of you, like just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. It's for you first. 
first mm-hmm. you're, you're doing something and, and, you know, when you first do that, like if it's writing or painting or drawing or sketching or sculpting, whatever it may be, it's just a first do. And it may, it's not going to be a masterpiece in that first mm-hmm. second, obviously, mm-hmm. it's just to get it out. You start with like, you know, a word, an idea, a line, a color, it's, just, it's something. And then you kind of, you know, build on that. Um, and, you know, creatives also musicians, I think it's, I, I love that, you know, creatives can do that. They make something out of nothing Yes, and, and it's, it's from them. It's, it's, from them. Like it's something that was inside that somehow used some sort of medium to be out there. And right. the cool part is that it touches upon at least one other person, usually more, but it, but it connects with, uh, you know, another person. And isn't that, you know, the point of everything is, is Absolutely. to connect. Yeah. yeah. And it, what, what you, what I was thinking as you were speaking is the phrase came to my mind, inviting them into your inner world. Like, um, because what's that phrase they say, um, the more personal it is, the more universal it is. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's so that because, and, and it's not in the way that, oh, we don't have our unique thing. Everyone is unique and everyone is the same mm-hmm. and kind of the same, um, you know, um, at the same level in a way it's hard to explain, but it's like, you know, each one has, you know, their own thing to, to kind of create and do. And the reason why you see a piece of art and it does something for you is because you're connecting to it in a way. And I think that is amazing. I think knowing that you're doing something that someone else can relate to and in a way it helps them. Yeah. It's everything. Amazing. Amazing. Well, um, thank you so much. Um, I so appreciate you sharing your heart with us and what you've been doing. So thank what's you. next for you? As you um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I've been producing writing and, and creating shows, but I'm, I'm focused now on inconceivable because I, again, like I said, I really think that it hasn't yet been, you know, expanded and, and thoroughly uh, been out there yet. So I really want to make sure that I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically what I'm, I'm working on the most right now is to get the show out there and get more performances, cool. um, and, and yeah, and move on with that. Amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I'm going to link in the show notes, your, um, cause you have a link to inconceivable where people can see more about it. Yes. So I'm yeah. going to link that. And then also you have a website, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, my website is, is mine. So it's mayravzur.com, M-E-I-R-A-V-Z-U-R.com. And there you can find everything about inconceivable and a few other things that I've done and, um, and connect with me and social media links, all those things. So perfect. Perfect. Amazing. Well, thank thank you you so much. I, I love speaking with you about this today. And I know that the artists listening will also get something out of it. I I feel inspired now. Like I want to go back to my sketchbooks and think like, what are some things that I've been like hiding behind? And like, I haven't been willing to speak about in my own art, you know, how can I make things more personal for me? Um, so you've inspired me. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And I, and I would love to collaborate with you. I think having some sort of like, you know, event where we can combine like performance art and visual art. That would be amazing. Yes. I love this idea. Maybe I can do some sort of like backdrop or something. Yes. 
well, or, we'll or even something that's like, I'm already seeing like other things that are moving around. Like there's so many things that we could do. Okay. I like this. This is going to be fun. Amazing. Well, um, thank you so much. I'll definitely be in touch and, um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, we'll do. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the inspired painter podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate you leaving a five-star review with your experience. This helps other people discover the podcast who might be encouraged by it as well. And if you are interested in booking a coaching call with me to create a plan for your art career and overcome limits that may be holding you back, please visit the link in the show notes or send me a DM on Instagram at Jessica Libor Studio. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, stay inspired. Stay inspired.